The content on this channel is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing we say or do should be considered advice. No tax, legal, accounting, investment, or any other kind of advice. Anything you invest in is at your own risk. Do your own research and consult with professionals. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of, I guess, what we'll call terabytes because we've got the old crew here, me and Pete, and we're interviewing a guy who must be living large because he, frankly, stole everybody's Bitcoin in the downfall <laughs> of Terra, LFG. We're trying to figure out where the Bitcoins went. We have Chris Amani from uh, Terraform Labs. Chris, how are you doing, sir? Doing great. Good to uh, be back on with you guys again. It's well, been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It has been a while. You were on the run from authorities. You were on the run from the Pitchfork and uh, Brimstone mob for a while. So we're happy to have you here. And uh, we won't give away your location just in case the mob might form outside your house. But... You guys I did come out with that. this report of, uh, well, an audit rather, of what happened with the LFG funds. Obviously, a ton of money changed hands during the DPEG of UST. And that's, I think, going to be the focus of what we talk about. But we also want to talk a little bit about what's going to happen with uh, Luna V2 and things that uh, TFL has been working on moving forward. So we're, we're excited to dive into all that. Um, maybe a good starting point for this conversation would be from your perspective, because we know you, Chris, you're just, you're one of us. We're humble podcasters. You know, we're not, we're not big money guys. We're not rubbing our hands together, thinking about scheming, how to steal money from people. You, you're one of us. So you were kind of maybe in the war room or on the, an insider when all this shit went down, you worked for <laughs> TFL, you still work for TFL, but when all this stuff went down, you were there on the front lines. Can you kind of give us maybe the play by play from your eyes? of the depegging event and, and what really happened uh, during those fateful days back in May of 2022. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you what I remember. It was, it was a wild week and um, there are definitely some holes in my memory that, some, that sometimes I, I can pull back into, but um, yeah. And for those of you that I haven't met before, didn't see my show, um, I actually started in the Terra ecosystem by meeting Evan and Pete out at TFI Alpha um, went out with them, had a good time. They ended up giving me a show on their channel called Terra Crumbs. Um, got a little more notoriety through Terra Crumbs and then ended up working at TFL as head of operations starting back in January. So about five months before the DPEG. Um, I had scheduled a, an executive offsite in Singapore for the week that the DPEG ended up happening. So a lot of our team was either already in Singapore or in transit to Singapore when the DPEG started to happen. And, and I'll always remember the moment I got a wake up call at about two in the morning from one of the other members of the team saying, Hey, have you seen what happened? Um, and I said, no, because I'm asleep. Um, and we had depegged and, and we had depegged in the past. He said we depegged. And I, I thought, you know, okay, we're at 95, we're, you know, at 97, um, but things are probably under control. But it was much worse than that. I don't remember exactly what the number was at that point, but we were 25 cent off or 30% off. And it was clear that we were being attacked and it, it was wartime. So, you know, at that point, um, I got up. A, a lot of the people were either still on flights or they had just landed. Um, we were all staying at the same hotel. Um, to say I was in the war room during those first couple of days would be to misstate it. Um, at that point, we really wanted to just kind of like leave the people who were focused on the trading alone to make sure that they had everything they, so they were focused on actually defending the peg. 
Um, and so there were a lot of us kind of like, you know, hanging out in the hotel lobby, um, you know, getting updates as we, as we could. Um, but mostly just like watching what was happening and, and trying to process it because it happened so quick, um, as you guys can remember. Um, but yeah, we were, we were, so we were in that, we were in that, um, in that scenario for a few days, once it was clear that the DPEG wasn't going to work, we all got together as a team, including Doe. Um, and we sat down and, and, you know, made a plan for what was going to come next. And that's where the idea for Terra 2 came out of. That's where we had the idea for Terra 2. Um, and that's where, you know, we started to lay those plans. And, you know, once we all got home to execute on those plans, you know, at the time when I was in, when I was in Singapore, it was obviously like, we were holding out hope until the last minute that we were going to be able to restore the peg. Uh, one of the things I wasn't involved in, but that's come to light now is that Doe was trying to raise around. Um, but that when they, when we raised that, when that, you know, leaked that we were trying to raise around, it kind of blew up the deal. Um, and so, you know, once it was, once it was finally over and we didn't know, and we knew for a fact that we weren't going to be able to defend it anymore. Um, you know, the team was shocked. Uh, the team was upset. A lot of thoughts going through your mind. What I would say is I was a little bit naive at that point about what the fallout would be from the DPEG. Um, in my mind, and I think in the mind of a lot of people who were intimately involved in the Terra ecosystem, um, we always knew that this was the risk, right? That this death spiral, that if this didn't work, this was the likely reason why it wouldn't work. And at that time, you know, I really thought that the rest of the crypto industry would understand that as well. Um, and that was naive, right? Like it, th there was so much to come. And so when I got back and realized that all of the fraud allegations that were going on, all of the, um, you know, all of the fallout from it was way more intense than anything I would have ever imagined. Um, I thought we would be able to pivot to just kind of trying to save the ecosystem and spin up this new chain and, and it didn't play out like that. So, you know, the first week was, was definitely devastating. It was the second week when I got back home and was with my family and realized that how bad it was going to get for Terra and for TFL, um, was when it really sank in and, and, and we knew we were in for a long kind of a long battle back if we could even pull off a battle back. Yeah, I think a um, couple a couple points I want to make off of that, and and some questions to follow up there. Um, what was the the protocol, I guess, for for you and for other TFL members? I mean, I know it was it was chaos from what I can recall, um, but like you know, talking to the media or tweeting publicly. I mean, this was. <laughs> thus far uh the biggest blow up in crypto history now obviously we've we're living through spectacular times and we've seen you know more spectacular blowups which is another point i want to hit eventually here with with the timing of everything but um you know what was the i guess internal protocol for tfl and and employees of tfl that like were were you able to tweet i remember you sent out some tweets i mean people were very hostile was there like a a memo or a protocol that went out that kind of like gave you guys guidance on how to how to treat this or was it kind of just total chaos yeah i mean at the beginning it was chaos and and so i think some of us started to tweet myself included but um you know that it, it only took a couple of those to know that wasn't a good idea because it was just like death threats and 
and, and the worst you could possibly imagine. At the same time, um, that's when the allegations started to flow, right? Like, and, and you see the same thing happening with FTX right now. Our situation is significantly different than FTX. And I would love to talk about why, you know, the collapse of an open source protocol is different than, you know, fraud at a centralized exchange and, and money make it money make uh, money market organization. But at the same time, it's just a big blow up and people have a lot of questions and there's a lot of speculation. Um, and so, you know, you want to be able to, when all of that's happening, you want to be able to communicate more, but emotions are high. Um, you want to be able to give more information out, but allegations are flying around significantly faster than you have the ability to disprove them. And even even within TFL, right? Like we're reading allegations and some stuff sounded credible. Like, well, shit, what, I mean, like without doing the work on it, I mean, even if you're working at TFL, you're looking at this and you're like, wait, that doesn't seem right. That, that It's either, that's either really bad or it's not true. But I would like to figure out, I would like to figure out which one of those it is. Um, and it just takes time. And so all of these questions, no real ability to answer them in a way that was satisf satisfy anyone's timeline. And so even like the most ardent supporters of Terra started to turn on us, you know, because they, they just, you're getting overwhelmed with negativity and you're not getting any communication from TFL and um, we want to communicate, but we can't because we don't want to say anything that's potentially not true. And yeah, so it's just really hard to manage a crisis like that in the heat of the moment. And the one thing I would point to is, I mean, this was a significant amount of money that was getting wiped out. I mean, this is the most amount of money that's been wiped out in the shortest amount of time. Um, yeah. And anything that we've ever seen, I believe, right? Like someone might be able to fact check me on that and there will be some example. Not only that, you know, the foundation, this is an open source protocol, which adds a whole nother level of complexity. So if you're talking about like what FTX is going through right now, look, there are people in FTX who know what happened, right? There are people who made journal entries. There are people who transferred money. It adds a whole nother layer of complexity in the Terra situation because so many things are happening on chain with parties that we can't identify and there's no way for us to to figure that out in a short amount of time and then the third thing is you're doing it from you know a foundation that only has you know terraform i guess it's not a foundation terraform labs which only has you know 70 to 80 people working at it and significant numbers of those people quitting on a daily basis so you know, right when you think you've got your legs under you from a communications perspective and your entire legal team walks away with no notice, um, that just sets you back another two or three weeks um, because you've got to get your whole, you have to ramp up the whole infrastructure to be able to answer questions quickly and to respond accurately again. And so, you know, because of that, you know, one of the largest, you know, one of the largest blowups we've ever seen happening faster than we've ever seen supported by an organization that's a fraction of the size of what you would see at Lehman Brothers or one of these large banks that blew up. Um, and you combine all of that, um, plus it all just being open source. And you have a really challenging situation in terms of making sure that people can get answers as quickly as possible and that you can satisfy everyone's curiosity. And you understand, I mean, you, we're sitting there on the inside and we understand why people are angry. Um, we understand that they want answers and it's just, 
not feasible to get them to them. And it was, it was incredibly frustrating. Um, much more frustrating for the people who wanted the answers than us on the inside. Cause we at least had access to some information, but um, you know, for those, for those of you who were, who were watching it closely and wondering why it seemed that TFL couldn't get its act together and get answers out quick enough, you know, those were the factors at play. That's not to say we couldn't have done better that we shouldn't have done better. Um, it's just to give you a little bit of a peek behind the scenes on what was happening. At the same time, keep in mind, like all of those same people who, <laughs> those same people who were, who were trying to get those answers for you were all wiped out as well, right? So they were, you know, everyone at TFL felt just as wiped out and destroyed. Um, we, yeah. were in the, we were stuck in the Astroport pools. We couldn't sell anything when any of this was going on because we were in the room, right? So um, we wrote it all down to zero with everyone else. And so, um, <laughs> you know, th there's just those emotions that, that you're, you're trying to work through those and trying to do what's best for the community. So, yeah, yeah hopefully that's it, not too long-winded of an answer, but th that's what it felt like in those first few weeks there. No, I, I appreciate that a lot, um, getting your insight on kind of how it felt. Um, you know, I, I think f for us, or I guess just for me, I, I can't really speak for anyone else, but um, I, I do definitely appreciate that that factor of thinking that, you know, when it happened, it's like, okay, we knew the risk here, but then you start to see all these stories creep in and and you do, to a certain extent, start to, like, question everything. You know, you start to question, like, am I crazy? Am, am, did I get duped here? Am I the fall guy? Uh, should I be trying to help Luna V2? I, I mean, it, it took a while to, like, let the dust settle and let kind of the emotions clear out there. So I, I very much appreciate that that insight. And I think, you know, a lot of people ask me personally, um, you know, what, what took terabytes so long to come out with, with something or, you know, why didn't you guys have follow up on this? And I was like, I didn't, I didn't fucking know what was going on, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like we knew we saw, but then there were the theories that, you know, there's theories from all over the place. Um, the worst of which I, I really never bought into, but then you look at, you know, was this, uh, some sort of coordinated attack from the highest of the, the, regimes in power or is this uh you know just traders out there that happen to stack up on the right side at the right moment and so so yeah i, I mean I, I do appreciate that that feeling that's i don't know not a lot of people maybe can can even relate to um although i know the luna insiders and some some of which you know we've never heard from again who were they were avid parts of the community um you know, and some I've reached out to and they haven't even responded to me since the, the DPEG that, you know, maybe they bought into some of those those theories or they still think we're fools or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to, to share that perspective. So, yeah. And I know yeah, some I of mean, those people be real for a minute, I guess. Yeah. And I, you know, I know some of those people who, who have left who are big parts of the community and they've left and it's not even that they believe some of these theories, these conspiracy theories. It's just that they're so burnt um, that they need a break from all of it. And, and that's completely understandable as well. A lot of people, a lot so, of people kind of put their, went out there and, and promoted this to their friends and their families and their communities. And, and when it blew up, they felt a ton of responsibility and, you know, they're just not ready to come back and try to rebuild yet. And which is completely reasonable. 
So you quickly realized that information needed to come out and that, uh, you know, internally you weren't maybe the, the best equipped with the legal team walking out and so on uh, and everything else going on to, to handle that. So uh, tell us about, I know JS Held is a big uh, like like consulting firm with uh, expertise in financial areas and they, they specialize in, in like risky things. <laughs> they specialize in, in high impact stuff. And how did you, uh, when, when did uh, you start talking about bringing JSL on, getting this audit report done and so on? Uh, when did that start forming? Yeah, I mean, we knew we needed to do something, right? So we, we did our own version of the accounting, if you remember. I don't have all the timelines in front of me. We did our own version of the accounting that came out. You can check the um, LFG Twitter feed for it, maybe a month after the DPEG, where we said, this is what happened. Um, and here's where the balances are, the balances that are left. Um, but it, understandably, that's not good enough. You know, that, that might be a nice, a nice to have, but it, it isn't an official third party accounting of the facts. And so we knew we needed to get this done. Um, and so, you know, we, we decided to work on it. I think, you know, like a lot of people in the community who... And, you know, the, the purpose of this report, number one, is to help, you know, anyone from like a statutory point of view understand what happened with the money so that they know there was no, there were no improprieties. You know, the purpose of the report is also just to help the people who, there's a broad section of our community who understood the risks involved. I, I would say the vast majority of like the deep community um, understood the risks involved with UST. Um, we might have not assigned the right probabilities to those risks, um, but we knew what those risks were. And in fact, you know, even the, um, uh, for TFL and USD, so, but even the creation of LFG was an acknowledgement of those risks, right? The creation of LFG was an acknowledgement that we needed more diverse collateral to back the stable coin to make it more resilient. Um, and so not only is it the community, but the cap table for that LFG raise, I think we raised a billion dollars, the cap table for that LFG raise, even after we closed it, more people were asking to get in on that raise. It was some of the best and smartest VCs from all over the crypto ecosystem who wanted in. So the vast majority of our ecosystem understood that, that diversifying collateral would make UST more resilient. Um, and they invested in LFG um, as part of doing that. And so when the DPEG happened, um, although I'm sure they weren't thrilled about it, they understood, right? It was attacked. The death spiral happened. Um, LFG wasn't able to keep it from happening. And um, the mechanism worked not as intended, but as designed, I guess you would say. Um, it continued to print Luna to backstop UST. Um, but with all the allegations out there, I think people still weren't comfortable coming out and just saying that, right? Because there were so many allegations of like things that were happening at TFL. Um, did Doe run off with the Bitcoin? Did I run off with the Bitcoin? Where did that, those LFG funds go? And I think the first step in getting people to kind of... Um, um, to accept that that this was all this was all part of the risk that we were taking on, 
is making sure that they know that the money that was in LFG was used as it was meant to be used um, and that we did everything we could in defending the peg and TFL went above and beyond what LFG did. And I think, I think TFL did another 600 million of their own peg defense in addition to the LFG funds. Um, and that there was no embezzlement or any fraud or anything like that, that happened that, that siphoned any of those funds out of, um, um, out of LFG to the benefit of, of people at TFL or um, any of our partners. Um, and so that was key, right? We needed to prove that out. We needed a reputable firm to do it, not just ourselves. And so this is kind of like a really big moment. Now, I would have loved to have gotten this out a lot sooner, right? Like it's been, it's been six months, um, but we wanted to make sure it was done correctly. It's a lot of data, a lot of exchanges. Um, and beyond even just JS Held who did this, we had another accounting firm, um, I would say a top 10 accounting firm, go through and audit all of their results as well, just to double check it. And so we triangulated this thing across kind of our own accounting of what happened, um, TF, uh, JS Held's accounting of what's happened, and um, even a third party has gone in and validated it. And so I think giving this out will, will ensure that people know that the people who invested in LFG, um, that... Um, you know, that, that we did everything we could to defend the peg um, up until the point where it was no longer viable. And, you know, the rest of the funds left over after we hit that point are still sitting in that LFG fund and um, will hopefully eventually um, be distributed to um, um, UST holders. Yeah. Uh so eventual distribution, let's move on to that because that's uh, what a lot of people are talking about right now. Uh, back on October's seventh or eighth, something like that. LFG said, well, there's ongoing threatened litigation, so we need to postpone, and at least until this audit is out and some of those things are cleared up, we need to postpone our efforts with distributions. Now there's speculation that now that it's out, that that can like resume. What I know you maybe can't speak as concretely as everyone would like right now, but what direction do you see that taking now? What remains to be investigated? What are maybe some ideas on what that might look like? Yeah, you know, without getting, I can't get too far into like the specifics of it, but essentially the situation is those funds are sitting in a Singapore entity um, that was set up as a, um, I think they have a couple of different, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this. So, you know, if there are any attorneys um, listening, um, I'm just going to try to get the broad strokes correct. They're sitting in an entity that's meant to be a nonprofit. Um, and there are a couple of different types of nonprofits in Singapore. And when you have money in one of those legal entities, we were actually trying, we were, we, we were trying to move as fast as we could. And we had like all of the calculations done so that we could just start allocating those funds. But what we ran into was that you can't just give all that money away um, without going through a process of winding down the entity. And when you wind down the entity, you have to make public that you are winding down this entity and you have to give time for any potential claims against that entity to arise and be settled. So there's just a process you have to, like a bureaucratic process you have to go through before you can distribute funds from one of these nonprofit entities. And that's where we are today is mm. going through that process, sorting through any claims against those funds um, that are out there. And as soon as all claims against those funds have been resolved and the proper amount of time has elapsed from us, um, 
um, signaling our intent to wind down that entity, that's when the funds will go out. But um, unfortunately, it has nothing to do with this audit report. This audit report is just to show that the DPEG happened the way we said it happened and that the funds are still there. Um, but it doesn't like it doesn't necessarily do anything to clear the way toward a faster um, distribution of the funds that are left over. That that that's really in the courts right now. So ironically, actors out there like um, armchair attorney Fat Mantera, who I'm, who has done nothing but be a godsend to the entire crypto community and our progress. Uh, him uh, pushing for people to file claims and, I don't know, do whatever dumb bullshit they think they can do without any insight to what actually happened or any understanding of what actually happened. And I'm sure he's going to watch this. So uh, big shout out to you, Fat Mantera, because I think you're a piece of shit. Uh, but we'll move on beyond the uh, ad hominem attacks. People that are filing claims against the 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 funds there is actually counterproductive to what they want to do, which... Uh, in their what they state publicly is to distribute those funds to UST holders. Is that at a high level? Yeah. Kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I can't say anything specifically about um, um, Fat Man Terra, um, but yeah, if if there was someone out there um, filing claims against LFG, then we would need to resolve those claims before we. Um, can proceed with distributing the, the, the remaining funds. Gotcha. So you don't so, think, you don't think that the publication of this audit report by a uh, like reputable uh, accounting research entity is progress towards being able to get those claims well, handled? Well, so, so actually let me, let me add a nuance to that. I'm hopeful personally that by showing um, that these funds were used appropriately, um, that people out there who feel like they need to lay claim to LFG funds um, might choose to remove LFG as um, part of whatever whatever they're up to. Um, Love it. That money that, that be helpful. You, you mentioned a raise. I do just want to clarify one thing for my own curiosity here. You mentioned a raise for LFG, and I, I don't recall the whole timeline. But was was TFL an investor in LFG in addition to what LFG had raised for that sort of defend the peg fund, or was that like where did those funds come from? I believe. I mean, I believe TFL like actually just donated a significant amount wait well, let me look at my notes real here yeah that's the language that i've seen used um, yeah i think i think tfl donated actually donated it. all of the all of the terra to lfg so that it could be sold and create this backstop of of different collateral types so that was a full um so it's, it's not so much that tfl invested in lfg it was that TFL donated the Luna, um, which was part of the LFG fundraise. Gotcha. And and so um, I think this is a good segue into kind of the next the next question I had, which was like I understand 
Um, from my from my perspective, at least, UST was this attempt to kind of decentralize a stable coin, um, which is the vehicle in which you can build all these primitives and toys and things on top of DeFi um, in a non-decentralized, or I'm sorry, in a non-centralized way. So, you know, I, I said many times on the record before the DPEG, it, it was a hill I was willing to die on because I felt like you had Bitcoin, which is the store of value that's sovereign. It's not controlled by any centralized entity with, you know, fiscal or monetary policy. Uh, UST felt like the counterpart to that, or, or rather, you know, the, I don't know if counterpart's the right word, but it felt like the, the, the next rendition that kind of let us take the next step into DeFi um, that wasn't controlled by some centralized entity. And so in a perfect world, if given enough time, if you could train in like the time capsule, um, you would have this set up in a way that, you know, LFG would have reserves on all of the prominent sort of chains and have that collateral and it would be uh, well diversified enough to kind of defend against whatever happened. That that clearly didn't happen. Um, so what was, I guess, as LFG was being built out, in your opinion, and I, I know you might not have all the answers to this, but in your opinion, like what was the relationship between TFL and LFG um, if LFG had not yet become like this sort of entity that could that could operate on its own? Uh, it, it seemed like there's a lot of like, I don't want to say commingling. Again, I'm not a lawyer either, so I'm sure, you know, they're they're the lawyers watching are like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? But it seemed like there was a lot of like, okay, we're going to defend the peg and you owe us money and blah, blah, blah. So like, what was yep. LFG and the relationship with TFL in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the idea with LFG was to create an entity that could defend the peg until like the peg defense could ultimately be moved completely on chain. And the, the, the long-term vision for that was that you would be able to, um, you know, convert directly into Bitcoin, just like you could with Luna on chain, but the technology wasn't there yet and it wasn't implemented in time. Um, and so, you know, kind of in the heat of the battle, I think, you know, like, as you can see from the report, TFL just started defending the peg with their own money just to try to do its best to keep the peg stable. Um, but yeah, I think it, it never, we, we never had the opportunity or LFG never had the opportunity to like fully automate um, the mechanism by which um, peg defense could happen in a more decentralized way. There's a number of, uh, I mean, the, the first immediate, like, actually helpful uh, piece of research to come out was uh, within a week, I think, of the collapse, right? Uh, it was that Nansen piece on the various addresses looking at um, across connecting a few between, uh, you know, Terra activity and Ethereum activity. Um, and, and everyone had theories, myself included, theories which, uh, you know, may or may not connect to recent events as well um on on what happened and who was involved and like 
which addresses, which which actors were just like opportunistic or maybe uh, just defensive in their best interests, right? Um, and which actors were intentionally trying to tip, like push the dominoes over. Um, and uh, but uh, do you have any like? Uh, has there been any more research done on that? Did, uh, did TFL uh, pursue any research on that? Do you have anything to point to? I know you probably can't theorize or name names or anything like yeah. that. Um, but uh, what do you think of the current situation there? Do you think that we'll ever get any more clarity on what happened there? Yeah, I mean, I think eventually we'll know what happened. Um, TFL has not done any work to try to, or any meaningful work, to try to figure out like who attacked the peg, if there was an attack or if it was just coincidental and bad timing. Um, you know, and I think our opinion on, I, you know, I think if you saw Doe's um, coinage interview or spaces he did, you know, it's more out of like personal curiosity and like emotional satisfaction that we want to know rather than because it, matters i guess right um you know it would matter to us if we felt like it was someone internal to tfl who was like leaking strategic information that allowed it to happen but um you know we were pretty transparent with everything we were doing right like well, so we that's were pretty the transparent same thing with what L that's LFT potentially right yeah. but being transparent is potentially the same thing as leaking information that allowed it to happen <laughs> yeah i mean, no i mean in hindsight you could argue that like some of our transparency was used against us right especially mm -hmm. as it related to the curve pools uh, but we were trying to do things you know going back to what i was saying before right like lfg wasn't fully decentralized yet and so we were trying to be transparent as transparent as possible about what was happening in light of that um but long story short, going back to like, do we know who did it or what happened? We don't. I can't imagine with everything that's with the velocity of news flow that we're seeing over the last um, few weeks that we won't learn something soon. It's just so many different people's books are going to be reviewed based on the collapse of FTX. Um, so many dots are going to have to be connected. And I'm not implying that FTX had anything to do with it. It's just like the amount of investigations that are going to happen in our industry over the next six to nine months to years, potentially, I think eventually we will know. Um, but I think it's still the stance of Doe and the stance of myself and the stance of TFL that it doesn't matter that if it could be attacked, it would be attacked. Um, and if it was going to live up to, to the, if it was going to live up to, to what we wanted it to be, which was a hundred trillion dollar decentralized currency, um, it needed to survive a test much harder than the one that took it down. So right. we, we, we just there's, haven't, we haven't spent a lot of time on it um, because of that. Right. There's a pretty, there's a pretty solid argument that, you know, if, if it, there were attackers involved um, then like, and they hadn't struck at this time, then eventually someone bigger would have, you know, taken the same path and tried to execute on the same opportunity later. Um, yeah. If, 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 a, if, 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 a, you know, a, a hedge fund in our little small world of crypto could do it, then a nation state would probably be able to do it pretty easily as well. So, um, you know, you can go back and second guess a lot of decisions. If we had grown slower and backed with more collateral sooner, if we had done a lot of things differently, um, would there be a chance? I don't know. I don't know. I think I've settled myself on the idea that it was a worthy experiment 
Um, I, I wish if it had to fail, I wish it had failed sooner. Right. Um, so less people were impacted. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, Fail. you know, Tara, Tara's moving on to something else. You know, we're not, well, we're, we're no longer focused on decentralized money. We'll, we'll consider and, that a fail. And, and, and I think Doe back. had a really great post today about his thoughts on it. And I would just echo his, cause he's put a lot more thought into it than I have. That goes back to a couple of things that I, that I said earlier is one, like I kept saying, this is a hill that I'm willing to die on. I'm happy to make an investment in this project or this experiment. I mean, we, we, you know, maybe we could have been um, as influencers or whatever, a little bit more cautious to have used those words uh, during the, the height of whatever the Luna was. Um, but I but I did say that. I mean, it's on record on Twitter spaces, maybe even on this on this channel. I, I said, I'm happy to die on this hill because it's something that I think needs to be done. And if it's going to fail then it's a good hill to die on. At least I, you know, we went out with our boots on. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so yeah. So, and then um, additionally that, fuck, there was something else I wanted to say, but then you interrupted me and now I can't remember what it is. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let me, I mean, I Doe has, excuse me. Um, Doe has yeah. a few times said, you know, he still believes and, I think we all think this, that a decentralized uh, economy needs decentralized money, right? But that UST in its form that it was in just wasn't uh, up to the task, wasn't sufficient for the task. I do have um, a question totally out of left field, pun intended. Chris, do you have any insight into what's going to happen with the Nationals uh, partnership? I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that those billboards are still up. Um, well, but I, wasn't it a four or five year deal? It was, but there's gotta be some kind of like clause or, I, I mean, I would I, look, I would love to resurrect Terra and still have a different version of those up. But honestly, with everything going on, I have not spent even five minutes. Um, yeah. Incredible shirt. That'll be a souvenir. Um, I'm not even. Uh, yeah, I'm keeping it. I, I'm not wearing it, but I'm keeping yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be just like wearing an FTX shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I so I don't know. You know, the person to ask. We created that was actually like a Guernsey trust, and that entire contract was being managed by independently of TFL. Um, so I should probably follow up with them and figure out what's going on. Baseball season's over. Um, and you know, that's, that's another, you know, that's another group of people where you just, you feel for them because they went really, um, you know, the team over at the nationals, they went, they were great to us. They supported us. And I'm sure that, that when this thing went down, it blew back on them and, um, in, in ways that we don't know. And so I hope, I hope those right. guys are, hope those guys are doing well. I probably should check in. Yeah. So you were, you were telling us, um, about how you know Terraform Labs, the Luna ecosystem, has is it's not working right now on decentralized money, right? Maybe that's something to someone should try again and again in the future in in other ways, right? But yeah. um, but you're still working, still doing things. Uh, there was in fact some uh, some compensation for people affected by this. A number of different kinds of people affected by this with the Luna V two drop. 
which is some of it invested, uh, you know, immediately. Some of it was was liquid, um, and so there was a little bit of of compensation for people, if you want to put it that way. Uh, besides the LFG uh, compensation that you know, as, as you've mentioned, is planned, is in process, is kind of held up by these claims. Um, but you, Terraform Labs is continuing to work and continuing to to push things forward that aren't related to decentralized money or UST or anything like that or Anchor Protocol, um, but are more uh, like like interesting technology tools for Cosmos chains, for Cosmos app chains, for developers who want to bring app chains and, and blockchain apps to life and so on more easily uh, in a more secure, more economically you know balanced manner. Um, and I don't know exactly how much of what we know is public. Uh, so I'm going to send it over to you. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about a couple of the projects that are ongoing right now uh, and what, you know, what they'll help? How, blah, blah, blah. Um, sorry, getting tongue tied. Can you tell us a little bit more about the projects going on now, how they'll help developers and ecosystems in general? Yeah, so I think... You know, we're, we have pivoted. It, it took us a little while, right? Like it's been six months. We tried a lot of things internally, um, but ultimately, I think where Doe came down was that that on a couple of different theses, right? That number one, there are going to be a ton of block blockchains. Um, and that's because the demand for for block space is going to continue to proliferate. And um, his thought was, you know, what can we build that's going to be super productive for those use cases? Um, it was never Terra's intent to like come back out to market with other, with another like you know DeFi 2.0 speculative set of products. Um, that that didn't work. Right. So it what we want to do now is focus on things that are super productive and can we bring real use cases to crypto versus, you know, just, you know, kind of degen DeFi stuff that we've seen in the last round. Um, and so we circled a lot of ideas and I think he really nailed what he wants to do and what the future future of Terra is going to be going for most recently with the Agora post that he put out. Um, and he just identified a few things that that he thinks are challenges to spinning up new blockchains um, and how he thinks Luna is well positioned to address those challenges. And so one of them is um, it's just hard, right, in the Cosmos ecosystem to build a new blockchain. Um, the tooling isn't there. Um, you have to go try to get your, your blockchain added to the single wallet in the Cosmos ecosystem um, that's cross-chain. Um, there are a lot of tools you need to make it successful. Um, you need security. You need to make sure that you have plenty of security to secure your chain and make it economically viable. And what he realized was that Terra was uniquely positioned to solve a lot of those problems. So what we're looking at now is, is essentially three products. Um, one of them I'll start with is Feather, which, um, the idea behind Feather is that it's, you know, launching a blockchain is as light as a feather. So um, what it does is it gives everyone in the ecosystem the ability to launch their own chain um, through Terra um, and immediately get access to all of the same tools that Terra had, that Terra built, um, that made it 
um, as successful as it was, whether that's uh, Pete, you'll know better than me, some of like the RPC stuff, you know, the infrastructure stuff, Mantlement, all of those things on the back end that help the infrastructure that helps the blockchain run. Um, you get access to Terra's validator set um, and they can validate for your chain. Um, you get access, you're immediately added to um, the block explorer and you'll immediately be added to Terra Station. So we'll make Terra Station, we're making Terra Station um, cross-chain. And so that's the most downloaded station in the Cosmos ecosystem. That's the most downloaded wallet in the Cosmos ecosystem. So being able to launch fully integrated with station right out of the gate is a nice win. So it's about taking someone who, um, it's about making it as easy to launch a uh, blockchain as it is to launch a protocol currently on a, on a Cosmos chain. And then the second aspect of it that, that he laid out was alliance. And alliance is a way to form economic alliances between these chains. So if you're launching a new chain, you have a token, but it doesn't have a lot of liquidity. It might not have a lot of value yet. Um, it might not be the best asset for securing your chain. Um, and so what you can do is you can set up your chain to also invite in liquid staking derivatives of other chains, tokens, um, and they're sticking yields to help you secure your own chain. And with that, you know, you're likely to attract over users of those other chains um, so that they can come over to your to your nation and and operate on your chain as well and participate in your governance. So it'll it's an ability to kind of bootstrap security from like an economic viability perspective um, in that you can use chain you can use tokens, you can secure a chain with tokens that are, um, that have more liquidity, um, that have more Lindy, um, and in many cases have more stable um, and lucrative um, uh, staking yields. So yeah, th that's kind of it. We're, we're going to try to make it like the easiest way to launch a blockchain. And there will continue to be more tools that you get access to. There will be um, ben all kinds of benefits to that. Um, and, you know, like I said, Terra is kind of uniquely positioned to do that because we had all of these tools already. We've used them for ourselves. They've been battle tested. And now we can we can open them up to anyone else who wants to launch a chain using Feather. So if I'm coming in to use Feather, I mean, this is uh, for those of you who have never launched a blockchain, uh, which I guarantee is most people uh, listening to this, right? Um, you, you have to do a, a number of things. Uh, and Feather streamlines all of them down to the very like infrastructure for communicating with that blockchain, right? What you said was uh, RPCs um, and mantlement stuff. So uh, like like the infrastructure required for front end applications to communicate with that blockchain uh, and then down to uh, alliances, which is very interesting. And uh, you mentioned security, but uh, Doe has recently kind of pushed back against the uh, some people just assumed this was kind of a counterplay to interchain security or, or uh, Sony's mesh security or something like that, um, whereas that wasn't really the intention. Uh, but uh, it, this was a alliance as kind of a way to try to fight back against the, uh, the, the withering that chains experience, where if you launch a Cosmos chain, you're giving incentives and rewards in your token. And if it's not like perfectly balanced, then the token price just just dumps and withers and the security and everything along with it. 
Um, so the idea that these chains can form alliances so that uh, rewards, uh, you're getting rewards in other assets and other chains are getting rewards in your chain assets and so on. Um, oversimplification, but uh, I, it's an interesting idea. And I think it's more for, or Doe said it's more for like economic bootstrapping, I guess, and economic survivability. Uh, it's more that than like uh, an, an opposed play, uh, uh, you know, something trying to uh, replace the mesh or interchain security ideas that we've been seeing going around. Um, so this That's is right. like a complete blockchain package where you can uh, launch a chain, launch the infrastructure required, have wallet support, which is very interesting. Right, uh, not need to deal with like add custom networks or or uh, you know pay for custom integrations stuff like that, um, and also uh, have you know potentially if you work with some other chains have this like economic bootstrapping as well, uh, which is this crazy toolkit. Uh, you know, before Cosmos SDK was great, you know, and it provided all these tools to launch blockchains, but you still had to put all those other pieces together yourselves. Uh, otherwise, right? So this this is a really uh, I think a really exciting project uh, that will make it feasible for app chains to be launched um, in a, in a way that isn't like super demanding and requires you to hire your own you know blockchain and economics team and everything uh, and you know infrastructure teams and everything in order to make it happen, right? And then pay six figures to to Kepler or whatever. Um, so um, I think it's a really exciting project, and I hope that it will be something that uh, a lot of other people will be excited about. Um, and I was going somewhere with that, but I just got too excited about, about Feather <laughs> and everything involved. You were, you were um, oh, here's, here's a question. Here's a question. Plug. Yeah. You were about to make I, a No, plug. I was not going to make a shameless plug for Obi, which is our product. I was not <laughs> going to do that. Um, I might do that at some point. Um, I actually wanted to ask, uh, if you know about like customizability, uh, and, and what, what kind of options I have as a feather deployer, Cosmos SDK is very modular. I can plug in different modules and, uh, you know, set different options. I can maybe add some custom modules in or like build my own modules, you know, which Terra did. Right. So I have all these, these options already. Does feather let me select from those? Obviously we have to have like interchain and, and some other modules on or the whole system wouldn't work, right? But um, does Feather let me customize on that end? And uh, what other options are there for customizability and uh, flexibility for people using it? it? That's a good question, but potentially a different show. We should get someone more technical on um, okay. to drill into this at like the next level of detail because um, I, my understanding of it, um, I'm not an engineer, but we, we definitely have people we could bring on and have that conversation, like to get into the weeds of this thing for, for the developers. Just let it be known that we're excited for a station to go cross chain. And in fact, we think the incentives of Obi and station align, and we might be working on something behind the scenes to make it so that users have an easier time, don't need to deal with seed phrases, easier to recover their assets. I'm not gonna shill hardcore on a product that uh, we might potentially be integrating into this, but anyway, yeah, you, you don't, you don't just... have to show. I'll show it. I'll show it a little bit. If if you haven't seen the episode on Ob, um, we've got to get. I mean, crypto in general has to get our wallet act together. Um, just the other day, I was I was trying to. I couldn't find my ledger. Um, I was trying to find like different pieces of my seed phrase, which include having to think about how much OPSEC you just gave up right now by saying you couldn't find your ledger. Now, if someone wants to rob you, they know, hey, I need to find Chris's ledger. 
if you use Obi, that's not the case. There's there's multiple exactly. keys that they need to. So it's it's security by, um, what what do you call diversity. it? Diversity. <laughs> security by diversity. Chris, no, exactly. Think- so we, we definitely want to collaborate with you on that for sure. We've talked about that inside TFL. Um, whenever Obi's ready, um, so we're ready. We're ready. It's going down. It's okay. already going down. It's already happening. It's already okay. Thing. Cool. Excellent. <laughs> um, all right. I want to ask you one more question. I think we're at time because we're getting sure. close to an hour here. Um, this has been a, a fantastic interview. So we appreciate you coming on and uh, giving you giving us your insights on everything, including the the audit report and just, you know, just, you know, at a human level, kind of how you felt about the whole DPEG event and blah, blah, blah. Um, one question, one more question from me. And if Pete has another one, uh, I guess we'll let him ask it. How do you feel about the Luna Classic community and the potential of some collaboration? I mean, at first it was like, you know, by the wayside, sort of like this thing left in the dust. But there's a lot of users there. And I think there is a lot of um, there's a lot of retail potential there. And and so I'm just curious, what what is even just TFL at, at a high level? What is what is the posture on how to address uh, Luna Classic and all the new retail users that have been using Station, been familiar with uh, Luna transactions and blockchain. Um, you know, is there a way forward there? Yeah, I don't know. So first of all, let me say I don't I don't speak for uh, Terra at all, and I don't think that it or Terraform Labs at all, and I don't think that Terraform Labs even has a position on this. Like this isn't something we spend a lot of time thinking about, but. I would say it's impressive that they've been able to build that community. Um, I think Doe said the other day, it's not something he would have expected. And I agree with him. Um, So yeah, I I think like if they're able to organize themselves and build something useful, I don't see any reason why we cannot work together and align to, um, um, to do something. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's great that they've been able to get as far as they have. I'm not in the weeds. I sometimes join the spaces and I hear of these different factions and some of the drama going on. Um, I have very little knowledge of it, but um, I think it's great that that they're trying to revive it and would be more than happy to collaborate with them if it makes sense. Pete, do you have any closing questions or remarks? Uh, no, I think I think I'm going to save them for uh, you know a potential technical uh, bit later about Feather. Just really excited that now you know and apps don't need to you know we've got this vision of app chains where apps can have their own chains, but there's been so many obstacles, and I see that as knocking down a bunch of them. So uh, I hope that that is uh, yeah. Best of luck, and I can't wait to pick someone's brain over that. Chris, closing Excellent. remarks from you, sir. Um, no, thanks for having me on. It's good to be back chatting with you guys again. It, it all started here with the two of you at a hotel bar uh, in New York that I just randomly like showed up to. Sounds like a song there. <laughs> so I'm glad. Excuse me. Um, I'm glad to be able to get on here and talk about everything, but especially talk to you guys about it. Um, and like, let's continue the conversation. Let's get more people from TFL in here who can help clarify what we're working on and, 
um, for different audiences. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for watching. Like, rate, subscribe, share, blah, 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 all those things. Chris, thanks for joining. Peace out.